What's going on? I'm Will. I'm Matt. And this is the Carolina Way Podcast. Bernard to the 40. Will they catch him? Inside the 20. Giovanni Bernard. Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. The ceiling is the roof. That's what it's all about right there. That's on the floor. That's on your shirt. That's in your heart. Will, this is probably going to be one of our more positive shows. Uh, not much to complain about in the last week. Uh, Carolina basketball finally looks a little bit like Carolina basketball. Um, I look forward to the show, and we do have a little bit of football to talk also. Matt, it's been so easy to come up with negative show titles that I don't know what I'm going to do with a positive one now. And that's actually a great problem to have. I'm not worried whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have that responsibility. I'm glad I don't because, like you said, uh, it seems like the negative ones are a little easier to come up with. I know we've already uh, used last year, like, I feel love in the air tonight or something like that, so cannot use that one. But it's going to be interesting what you come up up with. Yeah, I know our friend Mandy is still recycling through some of her Caleb Love memes and uh, lines with his name in it. So I don't know, maybe we can do it as well still. Oh, yeah. Ask Mandy. Mandy will give us a great idea. I already know it. We did start the week off with a big matchup. We talked about it last episode. Uh, We were a little, I wouldn't say worried, but kind of uh, anticipating what would happen. We didn't know this was a big-time matchup. Last time we had a big matchup, it didn't turn out well against Tennessee. Um, But it kind of, or it very much, went the way we wanted it to huge game both of us were in the dean dome for this one too the crowd obviously as you can recall was electric b dot brought the energy too and uh i mean really from start to finish it was a great great time one of the biggest things i've seen the difference with this year is that we're not just getting excited when the players are making plays on the court or when the players are coming out of the tunnel right before the game it's more of B dot the crowd the band has this more energized before they even come out onto the court you feel the energy excitement and then that's kind of propelling some great plays to be made there's plenty of stretches during that game that the crowd really got into it when I think we could tell late in the first half for the past couple of games against Brown we had this issue where something along the lines of you know these are the times the crowd needs to get loud and you know we need you it happened the same thing against Michigan we we hit a big time three late, I believe, to tie it in the first half against Michigan. And that was a time that we had been down most of the first half, kind of trying to get back into the game a little bit. Our defense was playing pretty well, but I mean, we just could not buy a bucket to save our, save our lives. Not even threes, just jumpers, twos, or anything. But all of a sudden, we made a few shots. We strung together a few great defensive possessions. And Caleb Love, man, he. He was fighting through the screens like I haven't seen it all year long. And great things happen. I'm so glad that he was being rewarded through his defensive play. And I'm sure that's something that Hubert was really focusing on going into this game after, as we saw, two really poor defensive performances at the Mohegan Sun. Yeah, like like you said, the crowd has really made a difference. Dot has made a difference. Um, a lot of these guys had never played in front of a Smith Center crowd but we're undefeated at home, and it says a lot. Um, 
I'm I'm confident when we play at home the rest of the season because it just seems like the guys feed off of that energy. Like you said, Will, started out the game, uh, we are a scoring team. Uh, we couldn't score the ball. But our defense, unlike any other game this year, kept us in it, kept the intensity up. Uh, Caleb Love was playing absolute great defense, uh, hustling, uh, doing whatever he had to do, guarding the other team's best player, doing it all. Leaky Black, uh, I think the turning point of the game, honestly, was when, when Leaky gets the offensive rebound and then gets the and one. I really feel like, you know, from there on, our offense really started clicking. Just guys going uh, everything they're supposed to. The, even the guys we complain about sometimes, the guys that we want to be great, they were great. I really had no complaints at all with our performance, Will. Yeah, and that's one thing, too, is that even with that poor or maybe just less lesser offensive performance in the first half than what we're used to, at one point I think we were on pace just to score, as Michigan did, about 50 or 60 points in the game in the first half because it was just going that slow. I think the whole – it's crazy, like, the first three minutes, there was no score on either end. And uh, it's pretty funny because Luke and I, we actually have like an ongoing bet back and forth during last season for football games, even the year before, and we've made it into basketball games. Now we bet on who we think the first score is going to be on UNC. And coincidentally enough, I mean, we've done this for every game this year except the Georgia Tech game today. And we haven't hit it right this year yet. And it was so funny because – None of us had our money on Brady Manick, yet we had both gone so long without scoring that Brady Manick came off the bench and he was just about to be our first scorer of the game. Uh, it just took that long. But we always knew really in this game that our defense would – or our offense would, you know, start showing up, and they did in the second half, which was – and still a little bit late in the first half. It was just a matter of time before that happened. So even with it being a close game, I kind of always felt that we had the edge because we had the offensive capabilities that it was pretty obvious that Michigan didn't. And one also turning point in the game, I know that um, the their center, Hunter Dickinson, didn't really do too much in the game, but it seemed like for their offense to work, they really ran their offense through him, kind of the inside-out game, and then they could penetrate in the middle. But in the second half, when Armando got a foul on him to get him in foul trouble to three fouls, um, Juwan Howard kept him in the game, and we. I said to Luke, who was with me at the game too, I said, man, we got to go right at him again, and it was beautiful. I mean, we designed a whole offensive set. We went through like the whole, I guess, probably spent about 25 seconds on the play clock here just working their offense around. We finally found a nice injury pass down low to Mondo again, and we got another foul on him. I mean, you just couldn't have drawn it up any better. It was something that we all noticed. And it's exactly what Hubert obviously called for them to do it in the play. And it was great execution. So it's also little things like that, that the team is obviously in these small moments starting to execute very well situationally, which I really liked. And, you know, I think this is against, man, was this earlier in the season against like a Brown that we couldn't even inbound the ball. We had two or three turnovers just doing that. And now all of a sudden that's kind of fixed for us. We are, we're turning the ball over less than Michigan did in this game. And like you said, Leaky Black, he had some great defense in this game too. I mean, Eli Brooks is no joke. And I, I'm seeing that he only had 11 points in this game. Yeah, well, and one of the things that I have been most happy about this year is Mondo, not only is Mondo good and much better, he knows he's good. 
Um, Mondo said that coming out of the uh, halftime that Coach Davis told him, hey, we need you to go out Hunter Dixon. You know, he has two, two or three fouls. Um, you had to keep going at him. What did Mondo do? Mondo is confident in his post abilities. He goes right at him, bullies him in, and gets two quick fouls on him. That was great to see. Uh, Coaching-wise, for anybody that questioned Coach Davis, when you give a, a coach, a good coach, six days off and his team comes out great, then you can be confident that you have a good coach on your sideline. Um, he, he fixed all the problems we had. This was maybe the first game of the year where I said, okay, we play better as a team than the team on the other end. Like, we played better than Michigan as a team, and that was important. I think Caleb Love had his best game as a uh, Carolina player. Uh, obviously, second in line would be Duke last year, but I'm telling you, overall game, defense, offense, he did all the right things. It was great to see. As you said, Leaky Garden uh, Brooks was big time, uh, and Leaky even made the coveted long two-pointer which he often doesn't make. So he did a little bit of, of it all. Uh, RJ wasn't scoring the ball like crazy, but he was doing what he's supposed to do. He was pushing the ball, passing the ball well. Uh, Manic was uh, hustling real well, hit a few shots. So really a great all-around performance. Yeah, and also we can't forget that Dawson Garcia hit some pretty big threes for us too in that game all along. Um, and I got so I got two things for you here. So I think I didn't hear this from Hubert, but I read this in some article that over those six days that we had off after those two losses, especially after the Tennessee loss, I think Hubert Davis really had the players stay, take a step back from doing just more practicing. I think that instead of, you know, going more and more practicing with the team and to try and fix the things that went wrong and focusing probably more on defense, he actually took a little bit of a different approach here. And from what I could tell, he, he had the players kind of spend – and the staff, it seems, they all kind of just spent, um, spent time with each other outside of practice, and they hung out. So I don't know what capacity that was in. But it seems like he was trying to do things that had the players spending time with each other and the staff outside of basketball because he thought that it was more of a chemistry um, communication issue for some of the defensive um, missteps. So obviously he pulled the right strings there that, I guess he felt like he was putting in the right defensive principles the entire year, but something just needed to be tweaked with how the players were responding. And after this game with Juwan Howard, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, and I think even he was mentioning that it was so early in the season that the team just needed more time together to get more buy-in defensively. So the fact that we were able to make such huge strides and such a quick turnaround, I know that this isn't going to be a defensive great team because we're so just so great on offense. But if we can have performances like this and, you know, really bring this, you know, not show it for 40 minutes a game, but have moments where we're this good defensively, I think that can really go a long way for us. So, you know, this is something that he can always talk about in timeouts. Um, game prep, he, I mean, he has the highlights and film now to show what we are capable of defensively. Um, and then second, you know, we've had these stats and we we love to use them every time we've been losing all these big games lately because it seems like we just done, um, you know, really terribly when we played a top 25 ranked team. I think our last stat was something like two and 14, one and 13 against the last top 25 teams. And of course, one of those was Florida state and the Dean Dome last year that you were at before senior day. And 
you know, we were like, man, we're just not winning any of these close contests anymore. And yet here we totally wrote this, uh, wrote the ship. I mean, Michigan is the top five preseason team. They've fallen on a couple of bad games. So all estimations had Michigan having a huge bounce back performance here. And we said ourselves that, you know, Dean Jen was going to have us motivated, but it was also going to have Michigan motivated because that what a performance and stage for them to show that they're not just a top 24 team, top 25, that they're a final four team, which is what the whole country thinks they are and can be. So, I mean, it was really huge that Hubert Davis especially was able to get a, you know, really a win under his belt like this. Yeah, I mean, Michigan had just blown us out in the Big Ten Challenge a couple of years ago, um, came in and kind of embarrassed. I think that it was that Kobe White, Cam Johnson team, probably our last great team that we actually had. So it was, uh, you know, it, it could have got out of hand. And we have seen Big Ten Challenge games get out of hand. Most of them in the last few years have actually been, we've been on the wrong side of them. But for us to come out and set the tempo um, and just pretty much dominate Michigan, I mean, we look like a far better team than Michigan. And, and will I think Michigan will end up being a very good team. But uh, I think we'll end up being a better team because, as you said, like if Hubert can show this team hey, this is how good you can be on defense. I know you're great at offense, but this is what you can be um, against the great teams, against the best teams in the country. It should go a long way. Um, Overall, it was great to beat Juwan Howard in the Dean Dome. That 93 uh, banner was hanging up there. We actually uh, had a hype video about the 93 National Championship game. I thought that was hilarious. That has to sting for Juwan. Um, But – it kind of felt a little extra good just to beat him. I mean, that was so funny that I saw students and at least the risers, if not the lower level seats too, holding up just a printed out colored picture um, of Chris Weber calling the timeout. And that was all that was needed. And it was just tons of students just holding up this uh, picture that was hilarious. We were also honoring Stuart Scott in this game, too, for B-Week. That was great. But, you know, it's always special when we're playing Michigan. And that high, little hype video, I need to get my hands on it because it was absolutely perfectly done from start to finish. Um, and, you know, this game also kind of reminds me of probably the last time that we've had this Big Ten Challenge game go in our favor was when I was a freshman and it was my first big game as a student for you know having a lottery game and whatnot and it was against Michigan and this is the year that Michigan actually made it to the title game and lost to Villanova yet in that game we kind of blew them out we beat them by um, I think we're up I'm seeing we're up by like 14 15 points at halftime and we ended up winning by 15 and it kind of felt like that performance here that you knew Michigan is a good team and UNC came in a little bit underrated considering what we know we can be, but you beat a great team that you know is going to be there at the end. So I think there's a lot of takeaways from this game, um, especially now that we have an ACC win under our belt with Georgia Tech, that you can follow up one win. You know, you just don't know how a team is going to respond once you get some success. And we obviously, we're not just settled with this win against Michigan. Yeah, um, the Michigan game could have been just a good night. It didn't mean we were a great team. It didn't mean anything like that. And it's still, we still don't know what this team will be because it's so early. But the fear of a letdown against a, a tough Georgia Tech team with great offense and, and you know, it's a road environment uh, 
ACC game. Everything was kind of setting up for a letdown. But, Will, uh, the Heels did not let us down. Matter of fact, other than a little five-minute stretch in the first half, the Heels pretty much dominated this basketball game. Uh, and it was led by R.J. Davis, who had 23 points, five rebounds, five assists. This man had another great game. This is his second game having 20-plus. He's now the sixth player to score 20-plus this season. Um, Big-time game. Still good on the defensive end, other than that little lapse where Georgia Tech kind of just hit plenty of threes. But we dominated the beginning of the first half and dominated pretty much the whole second half. I was just very happy with the outcome. Matt, as much as I like to just put down Georgia Tech for just what a lack of a athletic department they have, they have had our number lately. In football, they've had our number. And they're saying today I, that I was only able to catch the last two minutes of the game because I was supporting our women's basketball team. We had a home game today. So I was finally able to see them in person this year. And the announcer had said that the last two times we've been down to Georgia Tech, we've lost. And obviously we would have been favored in both of those games. And we were upset for whatever reason. I think in, I think that the last one, Leaky Black, I believe might have been someone else like sprained their ankle in that game. And we had a little bit of some injury issues. And then the other game, I think it was also around the December time frame, very, very early on in ACC play. And we got upset then too. It might have been a like New Year's Day type basketball game. So for whatever reason, this early ACC <laughs> scheduled game unless it's a home game of course like we had against Notre Dame a couple years ever since we started doing it you know we just haven't for whatever reason been totally locked into the game I don't know if it's just usually been we've had so many other huge games in our non-conference schedule like we had another huge one with UCLA coming up we had the Villanova Tennessee Michigan that you kind of overlooked this game or what but um, I mean we definitely delivered today I did see though that we were not on TV to start the game. What's what's up with that? And we actually had to come back from a deficit. I've seen on the box score, we were down like 29, 23, like um, 17, 25. So, you know, it wasn't all easy like the final score made it seem. Yeah, we were actually down 11 at one point, I want to say, Will. But the biggest deficit was, as you said, not being able, being able to watch, you know, maybe the first 10 minutes of the basketball game. That was a huge deficit. Um I'll comment on the basketball part, and then I'll say a little bit about the the ESPN problems. Not the first time ESPN's had problems. Let me just say that. Uh, they went on – we were up early. Like, when I couldn't watch the game, I finally started listening to it on the radio. But we were up maybe like eight right out the gate, playing great basketball. But then they went on this little run where they hit, I want to say, five or six threes just in a row. And they ended up going up double digits. But the way we responded, this was right before the half. We could have went down, like it, we could have been eight down going into the half. But instead, we held them uh, scoreless for like two minutes straight, climbed back into it, and uh, tied the game right before the half, which was so big. Because if you go down eight in an ACC game on the road, uh, it could turn out to be pretty bad. But we fought back. We handled that little adversity, and that said a lot. I didn't handle adversity well uh, because the the Grand Prix of Saudi Arabia was on today. But that's not what kept us from watching the game well. It was the post-race analysis of the Grand Prix of Saudi Arabia that was continued to be on uh, ESPN2. And they even switched Carolina to ESPN3 for most of the game. 
uh, just so they could analyze this game. So three guys in a suit could analyze the Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia. Will the most outlandish thing I've ever seen in my life. Matt, I'm not going to let this Grand Prix Formula One slander occur on the Carolina Way podcast. I'm just not going to let it happen, okay? Maybe it was because ESPN didn't want to air and show everyone that there's no recourse for what Coach Passner has done as a person to still be coaching a collegiate <laughs> environment. Oh, Maybe that's why. Um, Google him. <laughs> um, I'm a huge F1 guy, so I, I can totally see why they were still airing it. There's some animosity between some of the top drivers. There's only one race less left in the season. I mean, you just can't get much bigger than this, Matt. And I don't think that they could care less about showing the Georgia Tech basketball game, even if it was UNC. I saw I saw the celebration. I saw fireworks. They even they shot fireworks into the sky wheel. And I saw the the desperate house housewives type drama going on out there. I saw it all. And I'm here to tell you. Formula One might be entertaining. I'm not doubting that. I'm not questioning. It is. I, I, I have many friends that enjoy it. I know they have a little documentary series. I know, I know it all. Okay? You do not skip ACC basketball for a post-race analysis. If it's the race, that's one thing, even though I do not believe you should skip ACC basketball for even a race, but that's one thing. So, Will, I have to take a shot at you here. Grand Prix, I don't care what it is, Formula One, get it off the screen, put ACC basketball on. This is I mean, ACC basketball. I, I, I think it's just hilarious that I always discount Georgia Tech. <laughs> and, of course, it was a UNC-Georgia Tech game that just got <laughs> um, forgotten about on ESPN. It literally Any was like – It was like somebody at ESPN honestly forgot to just – oh, wait, we're supposed to go to Carolina, Georgia Tech, who you're right. Most people probably could care less about. Carolina's not currently ranked. They should be soon. Uh, Georgia Tech, obviously not ranked. Um, but somebody just forgot to flip the switch and say, oh, we're supposed to be playing that basketball game uh, at 3 o'clock today. So it was just amazing. <laughs> we, we need to change topics before we disagree anymore. <laughs> we don't want too much disagreement on this pod. <laughs> yeah, we, we still haven't made it one year yet. So <laughs> We do have two upcoming games, Will. Uh, they should be pretty easy. Uh, Elon, that's an in-state school. Um, they used to be coached by a Carolina guy. I don't know if they're coached by a Carolina guy anymore. Not certain on that. Um, but hopefully we get maybe a little bit of rest. We can handle these teams pretty easily because, as you said, I mean, the schedule is only going to get harder from here. Uh, we have UCLA, and then we have ACC play. Yeah, I kind of like the format of this two non-conference game schedule right here because we let the players, all the students, get through some of the final exams going on right now. And then you have a similar ACC-style schedule where you have a game on Saturday. And even though it's not Monday, we then follow it up with the game on Tuesday, right? So it's a little bit of a quick turnaround. And I'm sure both games are at home, but I think that it's probably pretty smart and scheduling it that way because I don't know if we've had two home games set up like that before and you can kind of treat it more like a ACC schedule right before we get into it um, so that that'll be hopefully some good learning opportunities and any way that we can you know continue to build momentum for ACC play UCLA game we'll see what happens there but more than any way more than anything you know 
continue to get better on defense. I mean, there's plenty of ways that we can improve. And I still want to see these freshmen play mad. We haven't seen these guys enough. And I hope this will be a great opportunity to see them play in person. Freshman, Will Hubert's running a tight ship. He's not even hardly playing Kerwin or, I mean, McCoy's not even a freshman at this point. So, I mean, talk about freshmen. What about sophomores and, heck, seniors sometimes? Aunt Harris doesn't always get it in. He did get in today. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not going much further than seven, eight guys on the bench. So it is tough to see the freshmen play and some other guys. I will say this. Uh, Coach Davis was very unhappy playing this game today with uh, finals already taken off and having to play a away game at, in Georgia um, while players are in the middle of finals, which I kind of agree with him there. That, that's uh, kind of tough, especially if they have one yesterday, have one tomorrow. Um, you know, this is the life of a student athlete, but he says student does come before athlete, and which is true, but the NCAAs really hasn't stuck by that often. Yeah, I mean, um, I, you know, like all the teams are playing this weekend too. It's not even just like UNC. It's all sorts of games going on. Like, for example, um, Alabama men's basketball is playing in Seattle. Yeah, crazy. And I'm sure they got, I'm sure they got finals going on too. And, you know, it's, yes, it's nice that it's, I guess, not just us, but, you know, everyone's dealing with it. It's kind of crazy. I couldn't imagine playing a, uh, you know, a basketball game being wore out all day after that basketball game on Sunday and then having maybe an 8 a.m. exam on Monday. That would be insane. And also, you know, uh, obviously the flight back home and everything. Um, yeah, Matt, you know, you know, they don't really like to move your exams around, even if you qualify for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they have, like we said, two games coming up. And so it isn't like you can do much dodging, much moving around. Um It'll be interesting to see if this continues. I mean, I don't remember a game in the middle of finals, but I could be completely wrong um, the last few years. But especially away game, it just seems like that was a little tough. But, you know, you take what you can, and hopefully everything yeah. ends up good. Yeah, it's kind of nice that UNC was playing James Madison at home today, and then they play next Sunday against um, UNC Asheville. Yeah. So still a little bit closer teams to even travel to. So. Yeah, a lot more doable. But um, I did want to point in this. I, I know you have a pretty cool stat that you want to point out, and I had one too. That for three pointing shooting this year, and this excludes Georgia Tech games, so this would only make it more so. But UNC has made sixty-one of one hundred forty-seven three-point shots through seven games this year, Matt. Forty-one point five percent, and last year it took UNC forty-one more attempts. Uh, to make 61 three-point shots, which was 12 total games, five more games to reach that threshold. Um, so, so far, we're shooting, and this is, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I'm here to pat myself on the back. I said before the year is my hot take that not only was UNC going to be shooting the most three-points of all time um, in the most in the recent history, but also I said for this past decade, this would be the best percent-wise shooting team from three that we've had and so far that's actually rang true and I said I didn't know what the numbers were but I said we're going to do it well we got the numbers now so last season 31.8 percent which is the second worst since 2010 and the worst was actually the year before in 2020 was 30.4 percent so we just come out the worst two years three-point shooting and then then you know kind of compared to some great 
USC teams, we were still only shooting 35.5% when we won a national championship. So, and that's really what the average has kind of been at about 35% or so. And to see us jump up above 40% today, shooting 55%, 58% from three, it's something that I'm still not even used to yet as a UNC fan. Yeah, it's amazing. Like when we're on the fast break, I'm like, wait, pass it to Manic and shoot a three on the fast break? Like that's against everything Carolina basketball is. But also these guys are shooting at such a high clip. I think RJ is shooting like high 40s, maybe even 50s from uh, three-point line. I think uh, Garcia is shooting 50% plus from three-point line for the season. Um, it's just crazy stats. Manic's obviously shooting well. Uh, Caleb Love's obviously shooting well. We have so many threats uh, that we could put out there that could shoot a three. Uh, they're definitely going to end up being the best three-point shooting team. Like, um, bar some horrible fall-off, which I don't see coming. And this is without Kerwin even. You know, Kerwin hasn't found his stride this year, and I still believe he will. So, Kerwin was our best shooter last year. So, uh, we'll see where it goes, but that is a crazy stat. Yeah, and part of it, too, that you're about to get to with this stat, so this would be a perfect segue, is that it's we think it's going to be remaining up this high or maybe a slight, slight, slight drop-off with maybe ACC, maybe you know tougher defenses potentially that you'd be going up against to make it go down some or road more road games. But we have so many different guys that can shoot three that you know if one person isn't doing it one game, then someone else or two people or three people are – else are going to be on that game yeah like Garcia uh, I think maybe only shot like one shot today or made one shot and against uh Purdue this man goes off for like 20 plus so you know you never know who's going to go off and that does go to my stat uh so Will I think I said earlier in the pod we have had six players this season score 20 or more points last year uh it took six games for one player to score 20 plus and I don't think we ever reached six players scoring 20 or more for the whole season. So that kind of just says how huge of a step we have taken up. And that six, uh, that first guy to score 20 plus last year was Dayron, who is obviously gone now. Um, so it's almost a whole different team. It is a completely different team. The two guards have grown up immensely. Like RJ and Caleb don't even look like the same people, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. It's nice to see. Uh, we needed a complete different offense because our offense the last two seasons has been embarrassingly bad, uh, and we could not afford to have another season like that, and we aren't. Uh, now we just have a defense problem, which seems to be picking up. Yeah, I mean, that's that side actually makes me even more happy just to see how well different guys on the team are scoring, and it's it's nice that we can actually prove it with how we've been doing in previous years on how much – better we are this year and you know even though like we said Hubert's running a tight I guess lineup of like seven guys or so those seven guys or even eight guys I guess really depending on who's playing more that game they're all scoring it's not like you have even Leakey I guess you'd say that he's the one guy that is going to have the least amount of 20 plus point games but even that like he's going to give you other areas on the court Uh, but everyone else they really have a three-point shot in their game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even even Mondo has made a three-point shot, I think, this season. Yeah. We play seven, like you said, sometimes eight guys. And, yeah, you're 100% right. Leakey is the only guy that is not capable of scoring 20. 
and those guys. You could argue Ant Harris maybe, but he even in that seven, if you go, Kerwin would be the seventh guy, Manic off the bench, and then the starters. Like the starters, all of them except Leakey could score twenty in a night, and I believe that uh, Kerwin and Manic can easily score twenty, and they have scored twenty before. So it's crazy to know that we have literally six guys at least that can score twenty plus. Yeah, especially considering previous years that you went down the lineup and said he's coming off the bench. You know, like what what upgrade can I get with him coming off the bench or what spark? And yeah. it seems like we have some, you know, potential sparks in games now. It's good to see, Will. I will say this. We have taught probably the most positive basketball pod maybe we've ever had. Um, I, I We would have to go back to last year, maybe after the Duke game, we were real happy. Um, but we do have to talk and end with a little bit of football. We did get the uh, the bowl today of what where we will be going and we're not going far i'll say that it is very familiar will have we ever played south carolina and charlotte before because that's what we're doing have you ever seen the lion king matt <laughs> yes tell me some of your favorite song maybe akuna matata akuna matata is a great one my favorite song has got to be the circle of life <laughs> and this is the circle of life because not only, and you were here for this, you got to see the life begin with Sam Howe, Charlotte, playing in the kickoff game against, well, really the battle for Carolina, South Carolina. And here we are again at the end of Sam Howe's tenure before he goes on to even bigger and better things. Same stadium, same opponent. End of the season this time. Sadly kind of back to where we were also like six and six but well, I digress from that um it is the Dukes Mayo Bowl in Charlotte at Panther Stadium uh South Carolina not that good obviously Carolina stat, uh not that good based off the record but smart to uh put these two teams together because you will get you know obviously a lot of fans to go you have Sam Howe going against the GA quarterback at South Carolina, grad assistant. This man's like 26 years old. Um, fans are going to show up. It's smart of them. It's smart marketing. Uh, everybody wants to see this game. If you're not going to – obviously, these two teams didn't perform well enough to get a big-time bowl, so why not put them in this bowl together? And it's kind of like a, you know, a non-conference rivalry. Yeah, Matt, I know – and I guess our previous bowl years, we've had great turnouts. You know, obviously with the Orange Bowl game, as many people, I guess, as you could fit with COVID going on, went to it. And then the other one, I can't remember the stadium that was in, but it was in outside of D.C. in Virginia for what the military bowl. I think a good amount of UNC fans turned out just due to the upcoming excitement of the next seasons and, you know, ending the season off with a bang that year. And with this, too, it seems like in any other bowl location, it would be very subdued. But since it's against South Carolina, uh, UNC fans already have some bragging rights in this rivalry, too. I think you're going to have a lot more people go than you normally would think that they would due to the seasons that we both had. Um, just because I think that whenever you get these two teams together, like any natural rivalry, 
you want to see it just because of the maybe extra storylines and you know maybe the players will play a little bit harder in these games too that you wouldn't always get in a bowl game like if UNC was playing a non-power five team like we were doing in the military bowl I think that this would get much less of a reception so I am pretty excited that it's against the power five team SEC school can never doubt that too much and yeah I mean even though I, I won't be in town to be able to go to the game I'll definitely be watching even though it is not at 12 but 11 30 a.m yeah you know if you're not going to get a big time bowl orange bowl you know just one of those bowls that you want like a top eight bowl then you kind of want a bowl that's just going to allow you to stay close to home and play somebody that's kind of you know fun to play unlike what they did to nc state where they're shipping them to uh, california to play against ucla where i can confidently say other than parents and a uh, family then there won't be an nc state fan in california probably watching that game because that is the longest uh travel of anywhere in the united states from north carolina to california so much better than that um I don't think it could have worked out more perfect. I won't be able to make the game either, but I look forward to the game. I will watch it for sure because it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and, you know, we'll get to see some of our young talent because also, we, you know, we had to look forward to who's sitting out, who's not sitting out, things like that. Um, I have no word on that yet, but I'm kind of confident that Sam Howell might play in this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens with Sam Howell in this game. But, um, you know, we'll definitely, no matter what happens, we're going to be seeing some guys opt out. And so someone's going to have the opportunity to step up in some positions on the field, which will always be pretty interesting to see, especially if um, as the game goes along too, other guys will have opportunities. I know that this is a pretty important time for any team going bowling that you get these extra practices that you normally wouldn't have just to see some more guys play, get some more reps, start implementing maybe some new things into the offense, doing some trick plays. Hopefully we get to see a little bit more of that too. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be fun, especially, you know, not too much is riding on the game necessarily, even if it is against South Carolina. So it should be, should be a fun game. I'm not going to be getting emotionally invested into it. So I'm going to have a great time. Yeah, same. This is a good uh... – maybe crack you open a beer and just watch the game because, you know, what is it? I want to win more than anything, but also let's just have a good time. <laughs> 1130 yeah, might right. be a little early to crack open a beer. I don't know, but, you know, crack open a beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, another great pod, Will. Uh, maybe all of the next ones can be as positive and as easygoing as this one. Um, let's hope Carolina can have a great week, uh, women's basketball, men's basketball everything above. Um, and I look forward to another episode. Absolutely. And we have some pretty special news. We might be coming from you from a different perspective the next time you hear from us. So just stay tuned. It's about a week away from this huge announcement, but we got some big things coming for you. So please be on the lookout for that. Yeah, you're not going to know why I hit you. <laughs> See ya. Go Heels.